program created by the Rio Grande Oil Company. Welcome to the police for an all size, attention all size broadcast 171 regarding a shooting at 1633 in New Hampshire. Leave the man at that address for further information. That's all. Rolls and questions. Street in Los Angeles, six people are seated at the dinner table. 
For dessert course eating, they linger over their after dinner coffee before starting an evening round the bridge. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, George, you've gone and done it again. There's nothing to do but repeat what I've said so many times before. This is the best meal I've ever eaten. <laughs> I'm firmly convinced that the success of a meal depends a great deal on what's served before. The food itself doesn't have everything to do with it. Maybe we'll grant it a few cocktails help on. Why, George, do you mean that you fried us with liquor and that steak that we just ate for really nothing but dog food? <laughs> <laughs>
She didn't even go to the rest of us. She was looking at Jim Walters all the time. You see, he was sitting over there, and, and I was sitting like... Right... Elated over the seeming simplicity of the case, Bain and Sheldon hurry back to headquarters and report their findings. Captain R.N. Davis, Detective Pat Brown, and the third officer go to the hospital where Walters, not fatally injured, is rested. Their pride in what they thought was such rapid progress is short lived, however. But after a few short seconds with the man who's been stopped. Well, Mr. Walters, didn't take us long to find out who the woman was that shot you. What? Woman? Yeah, she was no friend of yours. You know Shirley Neeland, don't you? Well, yes, I know her. Well, she's been in Denver for some time past. Well, she's the one who's got you. What? Why, you're crazy. Give it, Mr. Me. Yes, and I don't know who did. There's no I can tell you this much. You're off on the wrong foot, too. Surely you didn't have anything to do with it. Mulling over these developments, which have changed what seemed at first an open cut case against Shirley Nealon, into a baffling example of diverse testimony, the three officers returned to headquarters to map out a plan of procedure. Learned that a 38 caliber slug from a Smith & Wesson gun has been removed from Walter's body. Proceed to his house on 103rd Street. Well, that's the address. Let's go. Sit 
What's this all about? What do you want from me, anyway? We well, just want to ask a few questions. First, uh, do you know uh, Shirley Neelan? Shirley Neelan? Why, certainly I know her. She's my stepdaughter. Why? Does Miss Neelan live here? No. Well, she has an apartment near Aiton Rampart. She visits quite often, you know. Her brother said she was here early last evening. Mm-hmm. She was here last night, eh? That's what her brother said. I didn't hear. Did you ever own a gun? Yes. Yes, I, I have one now. And I have a permit to carry it, too. Uh, I'll go get it if you want. Never mind that. Where do you usually keep your gun? Uh, under the mattress of my bed. Why under the mattress? Well, I don't like to have it around where anyone might find it. Dangerous to have people fooling with a loaded revolver. Is the gun there now? Mm-hmm. Was it six o'clock last night? I took it out to see if the barrel was rusting. What kind of a gun is it? Thirty-eight. I don't like anything bigger. You know the kick kind of through. What you. kind of a gun is it? What company made it? Oh, it's it, it, Smith and Wesson. I, I thought you meant what the count. Do you mind if we look at your gun? No, no, I'll go get it. We'll go with you. Yeah, well, uh, my room is just up to the short stairs. Come right along. Say, what kind of a car does your stepdaughter drive? It's Ford Coupe. Hey, why are you asking all these questions? I'd like to know what this thing's all about. You just answer the question. Well, of course, I'll help the law as much as possible, but I'd like to know what it's all about. Is this your room? Yes. The gun's right under the corner of this mattress right here. That's what it is. Well? Well, it's gone. You sure you didn't know that all the time? Must be. Yeah, it was here last evening. It was right there. Yeah, was this brother of Neelan? Where is he? Well, he's in his room. Uh, I'll go get him if you want. Might be a good idea. And, uh, say, uh, don't forget to come back. Huh? Oh, no, no, sir. No, I'll be right back. This is a funny one. Yeah, it sure is. It doesn't work out right at all. It's funny that this Neelan woman's stepfather should have a gun just like the one that was used on Walt. Yeah. And the gun's gone now. Well, Walt certainly knew whether she shot him or not. He evidently was pretty well acquainted with her. Yeah. But it isn't right at all. Say, take another look for that gun, will you? Okay, I'll take this mattress off. Take the rest of this bed. Huh? Here goes. Nothing here at all. Oh, well, let it go then. Here they come back. Maybe the brother can tell us something. Hope so. Nobody else is talking. Here's my son, officer. Good. Now, it'll be a lot easier for everybody if you just answer our questions and don't talk otherwise. Yes, that's right, and I don't understand either, so let's do what they say. Now, when did you see your sister last? She was here at about 7.30. You know what you came after? I see. Didn't exactly come after anything. What do you mean? Well, she came in and asked to use the phone first. You know who she called? No. Did you talk to her after she made the call? No. She just came in and sat down and then jumped up and said she just remembered something. She had to get in the other apartment. What other apartment? This one? Yes. What did she do? Well, I heard her in here and she went out to her car and she drove away. You didn't talk to her anymore? Yes, she phoned about 11. What did she say? Do you remember? Yes. She said to tell her mother that she was all right and that she wouldn't be home, that she was staying at her girlfriend's house. Just if any of uh, people had been yeah, about that, looking for her. Uh, yeah, what did you say? Any people had been about looking for her. Now, that isn't what you started to say. What exactly did she say? 
I believe my sister said, had any cars been out there after me? Realizing after more questioning that I can gain no further information, the two officers leave the house on 64th Street. Return again to headquarters where they find welcome news. The men guarding Walter's home have taken into custody a woman in red. Tired as they are, they speed at once to the house. Find the woman seated comfortably in a chair, smoking, surrounded by officers. The wall clock reads just 4 a.m. That's all, boys. Well, I will ask the lady a few questions. Now, uh, maybe you can tell us just what you were doing in Mr. Walter's house. I'm Mrs. Walter's. What? Uh, wait a minute, wait a minute, will you? Aren't you Shirley Nealon? Yes, that is my professional name. And yet you say your name is Mrs. Walters. Mr. Walters and I were married in Uh Did you know that Walters was shot tonight? Yes. How did you know? I told him to Mrs. Department. He told me. It's not serious, is it? Yes, but he'll live. He'll be in court to testify against you. Testify against me? Well, I didn't have anything to do with it. Tell us just what you did yesterday. Well, I, I kept these little round means. Then I went downtown to the desert. The work had been done, I went to the theater. I wanted to show some time. You see, I had a dinner engagement with Mr. Walters. After the theater, I called him. Did Mr. Walters meet you for dinner? No, he didn't. Hmm. Did you go to your stepfather's on 64th Street after you called him? No. Well, didn't you go there and take your stepfather's gun? Gun? I didn't even know he had a gun. Yes, your stepfather has a thirty-eight caliber Smith & Wesson pistol. Well, and that's the same kind of a gun that was used to shoot Walters. Well, I didn't know he had a gun. I didn't have anything to do with the rest of it. I wasn't even there when Mr. Walters was shot. Where were you? I was here. After I called Mr. Walters from downtown, I came here and waited for him. He didn't come, and I telephoned several people. I called Mr. Ennis and asked if he was there. What did he say? He said that Mr. Walters wasn't there. That he expected them for dinner. Had Walters asked you to come to dinner? No. Maybe he didn't know that I was in town. You see, I've been away for some time. Yeah? He knew you were back. Well, then I don't know why he didn't ask me. How long did you stay here at the house? I've been here ever since. I called Mr. Ennis again a little after nine. That's when I found out about the shooting. Now, you weren't here when I first came to the house? No. But the car was here. It recently been running. The radiator was still warm. Where were you then? Oh, I was in. The backyard. In the backyard. What are you doing in the backyard? You weren't hiding from anyone by any chance, were you? Yes, sir. As a matter of fact, I was. After I found out about Mr. Walters being shot, I, I went out of the house and started to back my car out of the driveway. And then I, I saw a car drive up, and I, I thought it was the police, and they think I had something to do with it. So I, I ran out into the backyard. Where were you in the backyard? I was hiding in the corner, the, behind the dog. How long did you pity that? Oh, I don't know. Maybe a half an hour. By that time, there were more officers around. Finally, I, I decided that I didn't have anything to be afraid of. So I walked in the back door. And that's when the police found me. Repeated questioning brings no results. Davis and Brown finally take the woman to the Central Homicide Office. Turn her over to Captain H. J. Wallace, whose expert questioning still fails to change her story. Realizing that they must have more physical evidence, the men wait for the sun to arrive, then go once more to Walter's house to search the ground. 
Beginning at the rear of the premises, they comb the backyard. Find nothing. Well, we brought the backyard off our list. Yeah. Come on. Let's take a look at the back porch and then go through the house again. You take that side and I'll take this. Look everywhere. Right. Hey! What? Look at this. What is it? A 38 caliber Smith and Wesson. Ah, that's just what we want. What did you find? In a laundry bag, which yeah. makes it all pretty simple. She put it in there last night just before she went in the house after hiding in the yard. Although jubilant over finding the gun, the men are conscious of the fact that however conclusive the evidence may seem to them, to a jury, it might carry but little weight without further corroborative facts. They decide to carry their search farther. They go to Ennis's flat. Find nothing around the building, but across the street, find a woman who gives them some interesting detail. I had a guest last night. She came over for dinner, and then we played bridge afterwards. She and my husband and my brother, who were sitting with us. Well, at about 11 30, she said that she thought that she had better go home, so I told her to the door. I turned on the porch light, and we stood on the porch talking all over about five or ten minutes. And then I went over to look at a plant that I had sitting on the building. And in the dishes that they were in the pants, I saw a woman talking. Then I saw a woman talking. Well, I was screaming. And she ran across the street and jumped into a car. Then I called my husband, and when he came out, she jumped out of that car and ran down the street and jumped into another one and drove off. Do you know what kind of a car it was that she drove away in? Yeah, I couldn't be sure, but well, it was a small car, though. Mm-hmm. It was a coupe. Mm, a small coupe, eh? Mm-hmm. Could it have been a Ford? Yes, it, it could have been. As a matter of fact, I didn't have a Ford. Oh, it was awfully scary. I didn't see the wind all night. I told you, officer, if I had not been the type of woman to lie on, things might have been very different. So I think the cause of thought for less than that. From another woman who lives opposite the end of the flat, they get more information. Well, I've been to the show, and as I was coming up the door to our front porch, a woman called me from the side of the house. She wanted me to call Mr. Ennis. I didn't see why she wanted me to call him. I should think that if she wanted him, she could go and call him yourself. So I told her that Mr. Ennis had gone to bed. She asked me if I was sure, and I told her yes. I didn't know, of course. Well, just then a car came up to Mr. Ennis' place, and a lot of policemen got out. Then the woman ran into the backyard. With these additional facts, Davis and Brown, not entirely satisfied with Walter's story of the shooting, and hoping that these developments will induce him to alter his original version of the mere tragedy, go again to the Georgia Street receiving hospital. Well, hello there. Yeah, how are you getting along? Hello, Walter. You know, we found a few things that sound important. And we think that maybe you'll change your mind about Shirley Nealon after you've heard. Oh, no, you're all wrong about that. She didn't do it. We found her at your house early this morning. That's what it's talk with. Well, she says she didn't do it, doesn't she? Yes. But, Walter, we found the gun on your back porch. The gun? Well, how do you know it was the same gun? The thirty-eight caliber Smith & Wesson. That's the kind of a gun that was used on oh, you. No, no, you're all wrong. Oh, so I have a gun like that, but the one you found must have been mine. What was it doing in a laundry bag on the back porch? <laughs> laundry bag? Yeah. That's where we found it. Oh, yeah, I remember that. It was in my car, and I didn't want to take it away in the house, see? So I, I just put it in the laundry bag. That's funny. Miss Neal's stepfather had a gun just like that, too. 
Only when he went to get it, it was gone. Well, that doesn't mean anything. No, that doesn't mean anything. Only it's funny, because this kneeling woman of yours was seen at her shop parlors between the time he saw the gun at 6 o'clock and the time he looked for it about 2 this morning. And that doesn't prove that she did it. Now, look, I know surely better than you do. And I said that she didn't do it. I don't know who did it. Acting like the accused, instead of a potential murder victim under the questioning, Walter claims supplementarism of contention. However, the testimony of the neighbors, her own dubious account of her movement, the gun and the Ford car, is enough evidence to bring Shirley Nealon to trial. On October 18th, 1935, she appears before Superior Judge Vickers in a hectic trial where Walter, on the side of the state, gives testimony obviously in favor of the defendant. But the jury, after 40 minutes of deliberation, announces a verdict of guilty as charged with any information. On November 1st, Judge Vickers sentences Sheridan in England. found guilty as charged. Therefore, I sentence you to from one to twenty years of active prison. But the last chapter has not been written in the strange drama when Curly Nealon is taken to prison. For two months later, Jim Walters finds himself facing Judge Adler. Not in the role of witness this time, but as defendant. Listens in spite of amazement at the court with the reason behind your testimony. However, there is a law that says a person found to be guilty of false evidence should be liable to a charge of perjury. Terry Nealon has been found guilty of the charges against her, which can mean only one thing that you, Jim Walters, have, for some strange, distorted sense of chivalry, perjured yourself in this court. Therefore, I sentence you to serve the term provided by law for such an offense. Namely, from one to ten years in San Quentin Penitentiary. <laughs> against his paramour, found out too late the fact that the law cannot be trifled with. By perjuring himself as he did, Jim Walters, and although it is too late for him to learn a lesson from it, perhaps you who are listening will realize more fully the fact that the laws of the country were made to protect you. When you violate them, you are going out of your way to ask for just one thing, trouble. Tonight, we salute Coconino County, Arizona, the second largest county in the United States, 18,623 square miles in area. And the gasoline used in her cars must give police car performance. So, Coconino County becomes the latest addition to the ever-growing list of cities and counties specifying Rio Grande gasoline exclusively. Now, you can get exactly the same gasoline as your nearest independent Rio Grande dealer. Try it tomorrow.
Your independent Rio Grande dealer also has a particularly newsy issue of Calling All Cars News for you this week. Something for every member of the family. Pictures, movie and radio gossip galore. Get your copy tomorrow. And don't forget to ask next time for Sinclair Motor Oil. Sinclair Pennsylvania and Sinclair Opaline, the fairly de-waxed, de-jellied motor oils that you can use all year round without changing grades. See your real gun dealer tomorrow. Police calling all cars, attention all cars, cancellation broadcast 171 regarding the shooting. The suspect in this case is now in custody. That's all. So, who do you Your narrator, Frederick Lindsley, bidding you good night for the Rio Grande Oil Company.